Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Edwin. Here we are continuing in Psalm 83. We certainly are. I'm going to be reading Psalm 83 today from the New King James Version of Please the Bible. Please do. Absolutely. Why don't you just go ahead and jump into that one right now? I think we probably need to. Let's uh, conserve the voice. Yeah, I, I need to do that for sure. This is a song, a psalm of Asaph. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also has joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Deal with them as with Midian, as with Sisera, as with Jabin at the brook Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as refuse on the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, Yes, all their princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. O oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like the chaff before the wind, as the fire burns the woods, and as the flame sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest, and frighten them with your storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and dismayed forever. Yes, let them put to shame and perish, that they may know that you, whose name alone is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. Yesterday, we started talking a little bit about this coalition. I, I think yours in the New King James even used the word confederacy. In yeah, one, in verse 5, the confederacy against you. Yeah, here's this group of city-states, nations, peoples, there are 10 of them mentioned. Yes. Uh, unless you consider Lot, that would make it 11. But the, the children of Lot just refers back to Moab and Ammon, two of the ones that are mentioned, mentioned. here. So we've got Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, Tyre, and Assyria. Or the ESV just had it there as Asher. But here, here are these 10 peoples, mm -hmm. nations, city-states, right. it, it encircles the land of Israel. You've got some from the north, some from the south, some from the east, some from the west. It goes through the history of Israel, going yes. all the way back, like we said yesterday, from Amalek, who was at the very beginning. Yes. When, when they're in the Exodus itself, the first battle they have is against Amalek. 100%. When, when, Josh, or when Moses is holding up the staff, and they win as long as Moses is holding up the staff. That's against the Amalekites. Mm -hmm. and, and then all the way up to Assyria, mm -hmm. which is this great enemy that has conquered Israel. And so we've got completely surrounding the nation, all of Israel's history, these various enemies that they faced at all times. Clearly, this is a poetic, apocalyptic, cosmic view 
of Israel facing enemies. We don't know precisely when this psalm was written, Mm -hmm. though the mention of Asher, Assyria, does seem to put it in that late date of when Assyria becomes the main enemy that conquers Israel and then faces Judah and uh, does not conquer Judah. However, because it says Asher instead of actually Assyria, uh, there's actually other places in the Old Testament where Asher is mentioned as a people other than just that nation of Assyria. So that's that's not even that's not a nail in the coffin on on that time. It really could come anywhere in between. Sure. But th- there is a particular place in Israel's history where I could really see this kind of poem coming forth. An actual case where yeah. the nations surrounding Israel banded together, or at least some of them. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's not a coalition. I mean, th- this coalition in Psalm 83 is far greater than anything we ever see in an actual event against Israel. Mm-hmm. But there is a place where we see a coalition, a confederacy come against Israel that is mammoth. It's huge. And the Israelites, the Judeans, are crying out to God. And that's in Second Chronicles 20. Okay. That's under Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat. Yeah. Yeah, under Jehoshaphat. I'm sure you remember the account uh, where you've got Moabites and Ammonites, the children of Lot, which mm-hmm. are specifically mentioned here yeah. in, in Psalm 83. 83. By the way, another interesting connection is that in Psalm 83, when Jehoshaphat, or excuse me, in uh, Second, Second Chronicles, Chronicles 20, 20, when Jehoshaphat prays, God sends a response. Um, it's one of the Asaphite singers that prophesies. Ah. to say that deliverance will come. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. interesting connection here, Psalm 83, being written by an Asaphite. But there was a coalition. Yeah. And uh, it's... I I don't think we can say Psalm 83 was written during that time, but man, it is certainly a time where this kind of prayer would have been the thing that either sprung forth from it or would have been used in, in their personal and their national plea to God to not be silent. Well, one of the things that's so neat about that connection also is, as you highlight an, an Asaphite singer bringing the message to God, of God, to uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, and that's in verse 14, actually, of Second Chronicles chapter 20, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, the Levite, sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. Uh, and he tells them that God will provide, but but what he tells them to do or what they choose to do is instead of Jehoshaphat getting all the armies together and, and let's go and ambush them or something like that, they start heading out to the battlefield and they are singing, they are praising. That's the battle plan. Yeah. Let's sing, let's praise. You know, how psalm is that? <laughs> I, yeah. I, how I psalmist love, is that? Let's go singing out to battle. I, I love this because today we like to use this this statement that's actually never found in the Bible. We talk about people being prayer warriors. Mm. And I love that imagery. I don't have a problem with us using that imagery. I use it all the time. Yes. But here we actually have prayer warriors. Yeah. These are people that they're, they conducted the war through prayer, through song, yeah. through worship, as they came to the battlefield, and then they watched God fight the battle yeah. and win. By the time they get to the battlefield, the battle's over. Yes. <laughs> they, they've been singing. They've been praying. They've been praising. And God accomplishes it. This in Second Chronicles twenty, it's got I think one of my favorite prayers in the whole Bible. And I'm just gonna the last verse of it in Second Chronicles twenty and verse twelve, where Jehoshaphat, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Talking about this horde, this 
confederacy, this coalition that's come against Israel that is so great. He says, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Mm. Mm. This is a prayer, Mm -hmm. Jehoshaphat's prayer, and then Psalm 83. However they're connected, whether Psalm 83 came from this instance, whether it could have been used in this instance, whether they're completely separate and just parallel kind of ideas, I don't know. But these are prayers for when we are surrounded by enemies. Yesterday we talked about this as a prayer when God is silent, Mm -hmm. keep praying. Mm -hmm. Here we see a prayer for when we are completely surrounded by enemies. In this this battle that just seems completely hopeless, from all the enemies of all time from everywhere coming at us all at once, what do we do? We turn to God because God is victorious. It's a challenge, I think, as Christians today. We understand that we're a city on a hill. That's what the Lord said. And a city on a hill can't be hidden. Yeah. Uh, and, and so being that city on the hill, here's all the forces of darkness and evil that are, that are coming to try to stop us, to try to stop us from preaching the gospel, to try to stop us from living the gospel and being faithful to the Lord. And in what way? Well, I mean, it manifests itself in different ways. You, you have the actual uh, persecutions of Christians on, in very physical terms, being uh, hauled off to jail or being tortured in some ways. And that's happening in different places around the world today, that there's those physical persecutions. In our country, I think it's a, a lot more right now in the terms of trying to shout down speech or limit speech marginalizing Christians or canceling Christians uh, because of their views. But it, it just seems like it comes from all sides. Yeah, from all sides. We, so it's interesting to me that we live in a culture today where tolerance is the buzzword. Oh, uh, yeah, you got to be tolerant. And the word coexist decorates a million bumpers. Here yeah. in the United States of with, America. With that funny uh, spelling that yeah. has every religious yeah. symbol. And yet, for all of that, it certainly seems that the, the tolerance is afforded for anybody except if you're a Christian. Yeah. And we want to coexist with anyone except if you're a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, look, I get it because the... Mm, I don't know, the public face of Christianity has been the dominant one in the West. I think folks on the other side think we're making much ado about nothing on this. Yeah. And and that we're just we're just upset because our power is being taken away from us. And I'm not worried about any of that. What I do see is um you remember that book that we read years ago? This is back when we both still lived in Tennessee. And uh, it was a fellow who was uh, a secular Jewish man who was writing about all of the commercialism that Christianity often had. Yeah. And I remember him talking, I remember him, was, was that the name of that book, Rapture Ready? Was that yeah, the it name was of Rapture Ready. Yeah. yeah. And I remember him talking about going to a passion play, mm-hmm. and he actually got in the, the crew so that he could be on the passion play so that when everybody else was shouting, crucify him, crucify him on stage, yeah. he was saying something different. But it was really interesting because in that book, he really got down to the point of, look, you Christians, you go ahead and be Christians. Would you just be quiet about it? Mm-hmm. We wouldn't mind you Christians so much practicing your faith yes. as long as you just shut up. Yeah. As long as you'd quit telling the rest of us this is... And, and that's... This is the truth. Yeah. In other words, we, we will tolerate you if you will just quit telling us about your religion. We will coexist with you if you will just be quiet and quit acting like your yeah. your religion of Christianity matters for the rest of the world. And so I get it. The world does want to coexist, but they will only coexist with a form of Christianity that refuses 
to be what Christianity is, a proclamation of the king. Yeah. I, I cannot be a Christian without proclaiming the Christ, without letting everybody know, look, we have a king. He died, he buried, he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day, which which means something. Yeah. No, it does. We're light. Christ said you are the light of the world. And and light is different from darkness, but light light defies darkness. It pushes it out. It pushes it back. And that that's the message. And so for someone to say, well, I mean, I like some of the tenets of Christianity. I like the morality. But don't ask me to change. Don't yeah. ask me to accept it. Don't ask me to convert. But if we're not inviting people to convert, they're going to be lost in their sins. Yes. And so because of that, Everybody all around is pushing against Jesus Christ, his people, his treasured ones, his kingdom. His lordship. His lordship. I mean, whether we're talking about militant atheists, or we're talking about followers of pagan deities, or we're talking about followers of false religions that are throughout the world, or even false Christianity. I was going to say, not to muddy the waters, but there are aberrant forms of Christianity as well, and those are actually against yeah. God's people. And and constantly pushing back, and, and while I get it, they're not necessarily all of them taking up arms and trying to kill us. What they are trying to do is silence. Yes. Yeah, and... and and even if they're going to allow, because look, here we are on a podcast, our voice is getting out, but mm-hmm. what what do they want? So much noise out there that this voice becomes nothing more than chatter in the white noise right. of the world. That's how the enemy is acting. Here's the thing. For me, sometimes that becomes discouraging. Mm. Sometimes it becomes disheartening. When I look at the casualties of war, especially of people that I love, who have been taken away from God because of all of this attack and this silencing and this dismissing of Christianity, um, it, it it becomes discouraging. Yeah. But what do I need to remember? God is the victor. Mm-hmm. God is going to win. Mm-hmm. Continue to pray. Continue to rely on God. I can't beat the enemies. You can't beat the enemies, but God can. Yeah. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. Now, I think maybe let's just end with our own prayer on that. Lord God, we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you. Lord, we pray that you will hold us up through the battle. And whether uh, we have to face things physically or spiritually, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, that our hearts, our minds, our spirits will be strengthened by you, your son, and your Holy Spirit. And that we, Lord, will come out victorious in the end. We pray for those who have fallen, that you will give them time, and that you will you will, no matter what it takes, no matter how hard it is, that you will bring them to repentance. Lord, that we might bring glory to you throughout eternity. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.
Experiencing some technical difficulties. I have spoken today. I'm not sure why that happened.